welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we talk to students, educators, and thought leaders who are innovators and creatives in education. I'm your host, Tanya Sheckley. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with Esther Wojcicki, and Esther is a journalist and educator and author of Moonshots in Education and her more recent book, How to Raise Successful People. She serves on several advisory boards and as a consultant to the U.S. Department of Education, among other educational foundations, all while running the Palo Alto High School Journalism Department and growing that into a world-class program. So thank you for your time and chatting with us today, Esther. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be here, and I'm excited about doing this. Thank you. So your first book was called Moonshots in Education, and you've recently started a foundation by a very similar name, the Moonshots in Education Foundation. So I'd love for you to take a few minutes and tell us about the foundation and about what your moonshot in education is. So the nonprofit is called globalmoonshots.org. And the goal is, the reason I renamed it to Global Moonshots is because I thought it was available, should be available to all countries. And the goal is to share pedagogy for how to change education so that it's more effective in the 21st century. Because we've been teaching for the wrong century. We're still teaching people how to memorize and we're teaching them primarily skills for a factory model and not skills for a model where you need to be able to think all the time and where 10 years from now you have no idea what the jobs are going to be. So that's the goal of the foundation. And as I said, it's uh, globalmoonshots.org. And then also I just started within the last week a newsletter called wajway.com, W-O-J-way.com, to help parents that are kind of stressed and don't know what to do in this times and like what are some of the ideas and suggestions and you can submit your questions and I'll answer questions because there's so many people that have so many questions. I mean, I think I could be on one of these Zoom calls all day, 12 hours a day. (laughs) So that would, it's easier to do it in a newsletter format. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of parents that don't know what to do. There's a lot of educators that aren't really sure what to do either. Yes. Um, as we've all been tossed into this crisis schooling, at least springtime, and who knows what the fall will bring. Right. Um, so when we look at that, you know, you talk about not memorizing, but instead learning skills that will help us move forward. Part of what I hear a lot from parents is, is my child going to fall behind during this time? And I think it's really interesting when we look at kids being bored and kids being left to their imagination, the the skills that they can learn from that uh, versus memorization in school. How do you think crisis schooling will play a part in students' development and learning going forward? Well, so I actually think this is an opportunity. The idea is never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, There is a silver lining here. And the silver lining is that we've been trying to revolutionize education for a long time, and now we're forced into revolutionizing education because we're forced into a new model. And so parents are very worried that their children will get behind. So let me just tell you what they're going to get behind on. Memorizing. 
And so the question is, is that really essential? And my answer personally is no, it's not essential. We don't need as much memorization as we used to have. And it's primarily because we all have a phone and the phone is like an encyclopedia in your pocket. You can look up anything anytime you want. So you don't have to memorize it. You have to know it exists. You have to be made aware of it. But to actually memorize like the capital of every country in the world or the leader of every country in the world, or all, we don't need to memorize to the degree that we used to. But what we do need to do, especially relevant today, we need to be able to think our way out of a crisis. And that's what we're confronted with today. And the more that people can utilize this opportunity to think creatively, I think the better they will be. Because this is, there's no playbook for this. This is a crisis that we haven't ever experienced before. And Absolutely. And, and I love the idea that we can move away from memorization and learning. It's something we talk a lot about at Up Academy as well, is that content is available everywhere. Um, but what are the concepts and what are the skills that you need to really access and understand that concept and be able to use it in a meaningful way going forward? So some of the, some of the things that you need to know how to do, number one is you need to know how to search intelligently online. And that's one of the things that I teach my students, how to distinguish fact from hype, how to distinguish uh, something that's fake news from something that's real news. It's a skill. And if you're always thinking that, you know, you have to make sure that you check the sources, check the URL, check to make sure that what they're saying, that there's credible people, you know, you won't be fooled quite as often. And it's interesting. My students are really good at picking out fake news. And research shows that the number one people sharing fake news and falling for fake news are people over 50. And that's because what happened in that group, the over 50 crowd, is if it was printed in black and white, it was true. And so they moved it from printed on paper to printed online. And they see these websites and they're like, oh, it must be true. It looks, looks professional. But they need to be a little more skeptical and make sure that the information presented was done by a credible organization with really good resources. So that's the first thing is how to search and how to gather that information in a way that makes it uh, useful. So that's why I use journalism and why I think journalism probably one of the most important skills for the 21st century, because the first thing you do is gather information. Second thing you do is try to understand what you gathered, make sense of it, understand if it's credible or not credible. Third thing you do is figure out how to write it up in a way that other people want to read it. And the fourth thing you do is publish. And you have to know how to do all those parts. And this is a century of the citizen journalist. You know, we all have these opportunities. You can write a blog. You can be on Medium. You can do a blog on Blogger. You know, you can post something to YouTube. You can make a TikTok video. Everywhere around, you have an opportunity to present ideas. Even on Facebook, you can write your own Facebook post or LinkedIn or whatever. So that's what I think is important for people to know how to communicate effectively. 
as part of that book I wrote, How to Raise Successful People, I have this acronym in the book, and it's TRIC. And TRIC stands for Trust, Respect, Independence, Collaboration, and Kindness. You need to know how to trust people in your environment, especially your children and yourself. Trust yourself, respect yourself, independence, give your kids some independence, give yourself some independence. Stop always believing people that just because they have long titles after their name. And then collaborate. Oh, collaboration is the name of everything. We're all social animals. And then treat each other and yourself with kindness, especially yourself. A lot of people don't forgive themselves. They have to remember it all starts with you. So that's, in essence, what the book is about. And it was organized according to those five principles. And it's, of course, I think there's chapter one through 10 or whatever, but it's still organized. The organization of the book is by the five principles that I think are so important that work for parenting, work for teachers, and work for corporate leaders and work in your relationships. It works across the board everywhere. So that's yeah, absolutely. That was that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Is you know what what trick would you give parents who are crisis schooling or homeschooling at this time, especially parents who are maybe working full time, have kids that are home that they're now homeschooling and have younger children. How do we instill that trust and give them some responsibility and independence? so that they can develop those skills, especially here being in Silicon Valley, where a lot of times because parents are so busy and because they want to give their kids the best, our kids are so overscheduled and running from activity to activity to activity, always with somebody telling them what to do. So how can we take a step back from that and now give them more responsibility and independence? Well, I think we've been given this shelter at home requirement. And so when you're sheltering at home with your kids and your family, you know, there's a list of things that everybody has to do. Usually it falls on the shoulders of the mother and or the father sometimes, or maybe both. But if you work together with your kids, if they're five years old and older, or actually even younger than five, a list of all the things that have to be done for the family to function the laundry, the garbage, the all these different things, you know, cleaning up. And you divide that up and say, you're part of the team. You can help out. Even if you're five years old, there's things you can do. That gives them a sense of responsibility. And also, it shows them that you believe in them and trust them to do it. It's kind of a big deal. When you're 30 years old and you're asked to clean up the dishes, it's not such a big deal, right? It's kind of like, oh, no, the dishes again. <laughs> But when you're five years old and you're doing the dishes, that's a new skill that you're learning how to do. And, you know, if you don't project onto them that, oh, my God, no one likes to do the dishes, they will actually use this as an opportunity to have fun doing the dishes. So that's one thing that I think parents should do. It shouldn't just be on your shoulders. It should be a community, a family thing that you're working on together. And it works out much better and nobody's resentful because we're all working as a team. Yeah, that's great advice to bring the trust and responsibility of everybody's action and everybody's well-being that we all share that responsibility as a family. Great advice. Yeah, and then don't worry about the memorization. Mm -hmm. Don't, it's really sad. The teachers that are spending an entire hour where they're talking and all the kids are muted 
that is not an effective way to do it. Nobody learns that way. What they should be doing, and hopefully they don't see this as criticism, but as something that's more helpful, is talk a little bit, 15 minutes at the most, and then put the kids together in little Zoom groups. Zoom has all these little rooms. Put them in the room. Let them talk about what they're doing. I mean, one of the fun things about Zoom is that you get to see people. So they can see their friends and talk to their friends. And they can talk about the assignment or they can talk about what what they're doing. I think that's really important. And don't worry about all the tests. Oh, my God, all the tests that they think they have to take. You can modify your tests so they're not so challenging and difficult for the kids. Yeah, I was really happy to see them do away with standardized testing for this spring as a state and, and let that go. And it, I think it really gives teachers some leeway to be really creative and really flexible in this time. And especially in a public school district where things are very, um, there's policies and there's procedures and there's things that they must follow. Um, I think it's really a time for teachers to have the opportunity and experience to try new things, to be creative, to do new things with curriculum when they don't have to just teach to a test. That's right. That's the opportunity. And so I'm really happy that Palo Alto Unified decided that there were no grades this semester. It's everybody gets a pass or a fail. Fail means you never showed up. You didn't even try a little bit. And pass can be anywhere from a D to an A. And we hope all kids will, you know, try at least somewhat. The last thing we want to do is stress them out even more than they're already stressed out. This isn't great for them either. You know, all the seniors are missing their graduation and they're missing their prom and they're missing the, you know, the Mm -hmm. second year, second semester of their senior year. So that's why I think these Zoom calls, you can put them together and have them brainstorm about things or just talk to each other. Number one thing that kids miss about school, it's not the teacher, it's not the classwork, it's their friends. So, you know, you can put them on a Zoom call and let them be with their friends or FaceTime or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's the relationships. I mean, whether it's from a teacher or from friends, I think we're all missing our relationships. Right. I think little kids tend to miss their teacher more. And teenagers, you know, they're in a time period where they're most interested in their friends. I think Absolutely. that, you know, their teachers, they miss too, but more, more so their friends. Yeah. So we've touched a little bit on the anxiety and mental health of this time and, and about memorization and testing, but not only today during this time of, of stay at home and shelter in place, but looking forward into the future, what what do you think the biggest challenge that education and students are facing? Well, come fall, I think if we try to force people to send their kids back to school, in spite of the fact that there might not be protections for everyone, I think that's going to be a big challenge because a lot of parents are who have kids that have allergy or kids that have uh, asthma they're going to say, well, should my child go? Or, you know, what What should I be doing? I think the big challenge is how to make school relevant, even though they can't be in class on a regular basis. Because what Palo Alto is talking about now is maybe just having half the school go on Monday and the other half go Tuesday and then the other half go Wednesday. 
So we have to be flexible. And I think the living skills that we're teaching are the most important skills. They're even more important than the memorization skills that schools are constantly thinking about. And I would say that the SAT has been sort of on the way out for a few years. Some universities aren't even using it. I would say this might be a way to get rid of the SAT permanently because it creates so many problems and it does not really predict how well you're going to do in college, which is the main reason that it was instituted in the first place. So if we could cut back on some of the testing, have kids be involved more in projects that they work on with their friends at that embed the skills in them. So if you're working on some projects, even a video, you have to memorize music, you have to make music, you have to pick out things. You know, there's a lot of learning that goes on in making a video or making any kind of theatrical production. I think we need to calm down about the testing. Once we do that, then parents will relax about the fact that their children aren't memorizing so much. And we'll also relax about what is called the summer, is it called the summer slump, the summer slide? When kids forget all the stuff, you know why they're forgetting it? It's not relevant and it never was relevant. That's why they forget it all. So now we're going to have the six-month slide and they're worried, oh, these kids cross the street, they know more, they might be doing better. Everybody is in the same boat. We're all having exactly the same problems. So the slide is going to be equal. So when they all go back to school, they're all going to be in the same place. And maybe we should stop and say, do they really have to memorize all those historical facts? How is that going to help them think more creatively or be more independent or smarter about life? No, it doesn't. So maybe we can change that. That's what I'm working on. I think I already told you. I told you about my newsletter that I started for parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I'm trying to do in this newsletter is to give parents suggestions or ideas to help them feel better about it. Because when they calm down and when they're not worried, then they radiate that to their kids. You know, it's a sixth sense. And so maybe your kid is interested in Legos. One program that I recommend is Minecraft. It's Lego online. Minecraft is actually really good. It's collaborative. Kids play with each other. It's actually pretty good. Microsoft did a good job on that one. I'll be honest with you. My kids would be so excited to hear you say that because they've been asking to play Minecraft because a bunch of their kids play and I keep telling them we're not playing video games. And as a general rule, we're a pretty screen light. I won't say screen free, but screen light family. I'm like, no, we're not getting Minecraft. So they would love to hear you say that. Yeah, I think Minecraft does have some really important um, concepts that they're teaching. So one thing I always ask parents is like, if you're really against Minecraft, why don't you try building a building in Minecraft and see what you can do? I think they really do learn a lot. And then there's Learn at Home, which is YouTube videos that teach a lot of things. So you could have them pick a video where they want to learn something. There's science and math and social, all these different videos. And for in 15 minutes, they can learn a lot. So that's another thing that they can do. Honestly, 
they're learning every day if you give them that opportunity. They don't have Absolutely. to memorize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And if, if I'm going to paraphrase that, we're looking, you know, back to the biggest challenge in education. What I heard you say is it needs to be relevant. It needs to be flexible and it needs to involve life skills that the right. students are really interested in. Right. That's uh, right. Life skills that they're really interested in. That, that makes a difference. The reason you forget over the summer what you learned in the spring and the last fall is because it wasn't relevant to anything you're doing. Um, you know, it's just like foreign language. If you learn a language and then you never practice it, well, you will have lost all that language that you memorized. It was all memorized. Absolutely. So we're in a time now where students do need to take some more agency over their learning. They're logging in. They need to decide to pay attention. There's not a teacher who can walk behind them and give them reminders or make sure that they're paying attention or make sure that they're not scribbling on their paper instead of writing. So we're in a phase where students really do need to take on some of that agency. Can you share your thoughts on how schools can really capitalize on that and move from this passive learner where there might be a teacher talking for an hour in front of a class to more of an active learner and student agency model, even once we go back to school? So I can think about how to do it in every single subject, to be honest. So I've done it in journalism, and I've done it in English. And in journalism, students have the project. It belongs to them. It's a newspaper, magazine. I do television, radio, podcast, all the, everything. And they work on a project together, and they pick the subject that they're interested in. So, for example, in journalism, they're doing a story about sports, if they're interested in sports, or some kind of a feature, or whatever they're interested in, and they work together with one other person. In English, they read books, they pick their own books, they read them together, and then they write about it, and they edit each other's work. It's like so successful. I've been doing this for a long time, 30 years, so I can tell you it works. In social studies, I mean, it's the most relevant subject out there. If you can tie history to what's happening today, then what's happening today makes sense. And so you just, like one of the books that I always used in class was 1984. And like, okay, I want you to take a look at this book and find things in 1984 that might be happening in the world today. Or go back just historically and look at a, some period in history that you're interested in and see how that impacted decisions people are making, or are there repetitions, or are we repeating history? It's very interesting. Kids will find that interesting to do. Foreign language, I just want to say this. If you aren't using one of those foreign language programs out there to learn a language, if the teachers are trying to lecture every day in that language, I think they're working unnecessarily. Because all those languages, you can get them free from your public library, all that software. And that's how kids learn. And that's one of the things that they should be working on so they can get support with the foreign languages. With science, Exploratorium, have you ever checked out their resources? Amazing. The Chicago Museum of Science and Industry, amazing. The Smithsonian Museums. So there's a lot of resources out there. Just let them pick some of those. And for math, there's 
Khan Academy. Khan Academy's got everything in math you ever wanted in your entire life, more than you ever wanted. And you could pays yourself. It's great. Or you can work with a friend. Again, that makes it really fun. So that's pretty much the whole curriculum online available. And yeah, you've just put together a whole standard framework for anybody who wants to homeschool for sure, but also for educators to be able to draw from. Right. So I think the lecturing part needs to be cut back. So having one Zoom call after another where the child is muted and the teacher is lecturing, that is not effective. Also, it's too much work for the teacher and it's ineffective. So maybe they should try another another method. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else? You know, this has been wonderful. You are a wealth of knowledge and experience. Is there anything else that you want to share with us or with our audience or anything that I haven't asked you? I thought you did a pretty good job of asking questions. You know, I, the only other thing is one of the questions that I get repeatedly that I think you didn't ask is what do you do with the unmotivated child? It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and usually the kid just wants to lie there in bed and do nothing. So I think that I would just let them lie in bed for a while and do nothing. I'm telling you, that won't last forever. It could last, you know, for a day or two days or three days, but give them the opportunity to do something they're interested in. Usually kids that are behaving like that have had the word no too much in their life. And whatever they've come up with has been received with, you know, criticism. So just let them come up with something they want and do it with their friend. The key is the friend because we all need to have a friend in life. That's one way that'll re-motivate them. Let's put it that way. Bring them back. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. I wrote a blog post a while back about trying to always say yes. As I realized that when my kids asked me things, I was saying no way too frequently. And I, I didn't want them to get to a point where they wouldn't ask or they wouldn't explore or they wouldn't be creative. I'm like, okay, how can I say yes to this? And what well, is my yeah. holdback for saying no? Is it because I don't want to clean up the mess or is it because of something that's actually dangerous? And, you know, if it wasn't dangerous or life threatening in some way, I'm like, okay, I, I need to let them explore and say yes. Right. So if it's dangerous, you know, you don't want to let your kid run out in front of a car. You don't want them to get near a pool if they don't know how to swim. So I think, you know, it's important to educate them as to what the dangers might be and then try to help them um, be able to succeed. Um, so, for example, you know, we all have to buy food. I don't know how you're buying food. So I buy food on this Instacart thing or Costco or something, you know, so I would let the kids order the food, let them do something like that and let them prepare a dinner. They learn a lot at UC Berkeley last year, they instituted a course called adulting. And what that was, was to teach kids how to cook, how to do their own laundry. I'm not kidding. How to manage their finances. It was all the stuff that parents had never let their kids do. So maybe they can do the adulting course right now at home so we can get rid of that course at Berkeley. (laughs) That's what we were just talking about with things being relevant, being flexible and and learning those life skills. And how do we, you know, as a family, give responsibility to the family goals and the family needs? And how do we draw everybody into that ecosystem and making sure we're all contributing and that we all have a role to play? 
and it yeah. all circles back so that your kid doesn't have to take an adulting class in college that you have to pay for. <laughs> You're right. getting it free right now. That's right. It's free. <laughs> Real life skills. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Esther, for your time and for sharing your thoughts, your ideas on education, on adulting, on trick, and on your moonshot with us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, and best of luck, and let's stay optimistic. We will make it through all this as a team. Absolutely. Do you want to share your newsletter one more time so oh, make yes, sure that we have that? Yeah, it's wajway.com, W-O-J-W-A-Y, wajway.com. And I do a newsletter once a week. And so, but you can submit questions and, you know, then I'll try to answer your questions. And right now I'm doing it once a week because I thought that would give me enough time. I might end up doing it a little bit more because there are a lot of people that have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully we've answered some of them during this half an hour. I hope so. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Best of luck to everybody and stay well and stay safe. You too. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rebel Educator podcast. To learn more about us, visit rebeleducator.com, where you can learn about our professional development opportunities for educators and students and see our project library. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out our progressive, inclusive elementary school, Up Academy, at upacademysf.com. We'd like to say a special thank you to Atmosphere for use of their audio track, Miho. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you well no matter where your educational journey may lead.